Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is Nikki Jones from UCI. There is no fucking way in hell that I would listen to I Doubt It with Dollamore. What a crock of shit. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right, welcome to the show. Episode 244 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your fired up host, Jesse Dollamore. And sitting across from me, not quite as fired up, but still, little fire. Just a, just a little bit. My lovely co-host, Brittany Page. You know, I'm always fired up. Not like Except me. for last time when I was sick. But I'm <laughs> I'm usually fired up, but not like you are right now because you are flaming. Well, I'm... Wow. <laughs> I, well, yes, I, everybody. This I, is your host. No, I mean, you are... Flaming fired up. Yeah. That's a phrase like that's a, used. Like a flaming hot Cheeto. Yeah, it's yeah. a phrase that's used. I'm I'm fresh off of a Facebook <laughs> deal. And here's the oh, deal. Oh, God. And look, I want to get to what we wanted to talk about, but nah, well, I'll save it. I'll fucking save it. Ugh, fucking people. Listen, stop drinking the Kool-Aid, everybody. Think for yourself. It's not a binary choice in life. It's not one or the other. If I have a criticism of someone, Hillary Clinton, it doesn't mean I support Donald Trump. You know, but that's it's really if, hard. If, if someone has a, a criticism of Donald Trump, it doesn't mean that they automatically support Hillary Clinton. Well, I mean, ah, it kind of does. <laughs> it is enraging. Yeah, I'm obviously I'm obviously being sarcastic because that's a that's a nuanced approach to discussion and that's difficult to have, especially especially on the Facebook. On the internet. All right. Well, you know what else is enraging, Brittany Page? Uh, Home Depot customer service. Ah, oh, you just fucking... Yep. All right. On with the show. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know why it's difficult for me or a company, not me. Well, maybe I just need to change the way I think, shift my paradigm. It's very as possible. It but if I go into a store, Brittany and I, yesterday in a Home Depot... Locally here in Southern California, we uh, we want to we want to give them our money, buy a brand new refrigerator. Which, by the way, 
holy shit. Who knew they were $5,000 refrigerators sold at Home Depot, not some high-end appliance, you know, like full-screen TVs on refrigerators now. Yeah, I know. Why is that necessary? It's not necessary. It's ridiculous. Well, not only why is it necessary, but why would anyone want that? Okay, we're getting off track. I'm sorry. Totally off track. You see the look? Yes. Yeah. So... Of judgments <laughs> and hatred. So we walk in, and uh, no one in the appliance department. By the way, it's one of these situations where we're, that's ah, a wacky, wild weekend, everybody. Crazy money off, <laughs> honking horns and flyers and streamers, the wacky, flailing, inflatable tube man. It's crazy time, the sales. And uh, no one is there to help. No. Not a goddamn soul in the little orange smock can be seen. Yes. And there were about five customers total in the general area wandering around kind of just looking desperately for help. Just in the refrigerator area. Yeah. I'm not even talking about the dishwashers and the washing machines. Yes. Just in refrigerators. Apparently everyone is having a very expensive electric bill right now. Well, it's it's a wild and wacky time for the sales at Home Depot. That's why there's so many people. Right. But not enough employees. And it's funny because if you... No, 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 no. Not... Any employees there to help? We pull. Well, a guy no, there over. were some employees, but they don't work in the refrigerator department. That's what he says. Oh, I, I'm in plumbing. I, let me find somebody for you. Which, listen, what do you need to know how to do in the refrigerator department other than, um, hi, I need this refrigerator. Punch it up in the computer and let's order it. Yeah, let me swipe my credit card, sir. And a question that might be asked that you can just read off the sign to the customer because they probably <laughs> didn't read it. Right? Right. So we finally get someone to help, and it's just, I guess I just generally have a problem. And we were there waiting for at least 20, 25 minutes until we finally tracked down the plumbing guy. And my problem is, I shouldn't have to beg to give you my money. It's, you're not doing me a favor by being in business. I'm doing you a favor by, by being a patron. Of your business. Ooh. I'm, I'm the, I could have gone to fucking Best Buy. Could have gone anywhere. Yeah. You could have. But, but we, you didn't. We chose Home Depot. We did. Because it's close. And, uh, you know, kind of like Home Depot sometimes. Yeah, they were having a little sale. So get it together, Home Depot. Killing me. And also, thank you for the new fridge. Yeah, Thank you. We're going to tell them thank you. Thank you for being in business, Home Depot. We really appreciate you being so gracious as to sell us a product and have us swipe a credit card for over $1,000. Okay, well, listen. The uh, we've, we've started to look into this because the electric bill is quite substantial, okay? Well, we get alerts from uh, Edison, uh, the electric company here in Southern California, that, uh, well, let me paraphrase. We open up the mail. And the mail says, uh, hey, fuckers, you're spending substantially more on electricity no, than your neighbors. not only spending, using more electricity. Right, 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 right. 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 So they yeah. probably think we're running a meth lab here. I don't know if a meth lab costs a bunch of money. It's the, it's the weed grow. It's the, see, Brittany, your, your drug knowledge is, it's, or lack thereof is, is glaringly obvious to our audience. I don't know. That giant thing that they had in Breaking Bad looked like it required a lot of electricity. Oh, you, okay? you mean under the laundry mat? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That looked like it was taking up a lot of electricity, okay? 
<laughs> it's test tubes and shit. That, oh, that's kind of a, that's caveman it technology. It is sickening that I don't know more about drugs. Bun- Bunsen burners. They take a lot of power, everybody. A lot of power. Okay. Anyway, so it has been off the charts. And what what the deal is is there's there's tier one, tier two, tier three electric electricity use. Yeah. We are tier three which means we're using more electricity than the people around us, yeah, which also you know. means that they're charging you more. Wait, wait. Yes, they charge you more. That, that What? Yes. I didn't know that. Yeah, they charge you more. That, that can't be right. <laughs> that is right. We use more, so they charge more? Yeah, yes. Because no. they're, it's a punishment. It's a way to punish you so that you will stop using so much electricity. So if I go into the jelly bean store... Uh-huh. And I say, <laughs> I want a million jelly beans. Mm-hmm. And then you go in and you say, I want 10 jelly beans. They'll say, okay, sir, you want a million? That'll be $6 per jelly bean. And you, who wants 10 jelly beans, oh, okay, that'll be six cents. That, that flies in the face of economics, of supply and demand. If you want to buy 10 Fords, 10 cars, they're going to give you a better deal because you're buying more. Is that some kind of like uh, conservation thing or something? I don't get that. Yes, it's a punishment. They are trying to punish you to make you stop using so much electricity. (laughs) So that's the punishment has worked effective. Okay. They want to punish you so you stop giving them more business. Apparently. Because it's not a charity they're running over there. That's a for-profit business. Yeah, well... Just regulated by the state. And so if you didn't know, if your electricity bill is insane, it might be your fridge. It might be your fridge. Well, we're hoping that's the case. We're hoping it's the fridge. Yeah. Because the fridge is old. Maybe it doesn't shut all the way sometimes because it's old. (laughs) And I hear that's a problem. I hear that's a problem. Yeah, well, having a fridge is just open... It's like a, a second air conditioning unit for yeah, the house. Yeah. yeah, that would be a problem. Probably not good. But it is an old ass fridge. That but, is a fact. Yeah, yeah. You don't think about it because it's the fridge you always use. Yeah, but it's old. It doesn't have a TV screen, so it's really old. <laughs> <laughs> Zero technology incorporated into it. All right. Well, let's move on with the show. I'm sure the audience is riveted by our electric <laughs> use and our. <laughs> Follies relative to buying refrigerators at Home Depot. But we learn something new every day. We do have some listener feedback. And last time on the show, we didn't get to it all because we were dealing with Colin Kaepernick and the, the unpatriotic slash patriotic refusal to stand for the... Uh, What's wrong with you? National anthem. I don't know. I don't know. Unbelievable. Something is wrong with me. So, Conrad, we're getting to your call right now. This doesn't have to do with Colin Kaepernick. But it does have to do with important and pressing matters that face us today. Uh, I love the show, and I want to um, throw out two things that I think you guys might be interested in. Uh, one, uh, I'm a teacher, and I've noticed that uh, recently one of Trump's children made some rather um, crass remarks about public education even though most of this country, most of our students go through public education. Um, and I think that that's something that is worth discussing on your show, that if you're not a millionaire, most people cannot afford private schools, cannot afford charter schools. Uh, and the other thing that I don't think has been getting media attention is in, I believe it's based in North Dakota, a gathering of, I believe, every American Indian tribe 
to protest um, the construction of, construction of an oil pipeline on reservation lands. Uh, I lived with the Lakota for a year, and this is probably the biggest gathering that has ever happened. And to put it in perspective, uh, this is the first time I'm aware of that the Lakota, the Apache, the Cheyenne, the Cherokee, every tribe has banded together. This did not happen during the Indian Wars. Uh, so they are actually protesting this, and it is not getting media coverage. Um, so I just wanted to make sure you guys were aware of these two things, and I don't know if I've got anything else to say, but love the show. Brittany's the best part. Keep it up, guys. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. A few things. Uh, one, very quickly, about the Donald Trump public school comment, or the, the son. Um, one, of course, those assholes are out of touch. Completely out of touch with the American people and how they live, uh, or how even how the 1% lives. I mean, they are uber insane rich. Well, they're like blue-collar, white-collar people, right? Oh, yeah, right. Isn't that the phrase? He's just a normal guy who eats his pizza with the fork and a knife. Uh, but that's a, that's, a, that's a very common Republican talking point, which is to malign public schools, which isn't necessarily maligning public schools. It is a dog whistle for the right to, to demonize um, these teachers' unions the National Education Association. So that's been going on for a long time. All it really speaks to is Donald Trump and his ilk being tuned in to what uh, is going to generate a frenzy among his supporters. But yeah, you're you're completely right. They're, they didn't go to public school. They have no idea what that's like. And it's uh, a little tone deaf, I think, for them to to make comments about it one way or the other. Moving on to the, the the Indian tribe thing. First of all, let me just say, I don't know if I ever mentioned this on the show, but I grew up on an Indian reservation. You also have Indian heritage. Yeah, right? my, my dad is half. My grandma is full Chippewa Indian, which is fucking ridiculous when you look at me because I'm the most, you know... It's it's like this melding of of weird. I'm like giant leprechaun. I don't look like Indian at all. <laughs> Wait, well, what's interesting about you though, being a ginger with fair skin, Brittany? There's a lot of shit that's interesting about me. Well, okay. <laughs> the most interesting, aside from being a ginger and uh, having pale skin, is that you don't sunburn. So Not, so that could be the. It is, I do sunburn when like if I was to pass out at the beach. I would sunburn, but I don't need to slather on the sunscreen like you do right. for fear of, you know, insane sunburns. I just, I have a resistance to it. More melanin, I guess. Maybe not in the color, but something's resistant because I don't burn as easy as any redhead I know or even as, as much as you. Something. Anyway, thank you for that, Brittany. You're welcome. Illuminating the yes. audience once again. Now yep. they know about my sunburn situation and our refrigerator situation. I really like facts. And our electric bill. Yeah. Uh, you did say something that was incorrect, Conrad. Um, this is not on tribal land. It is upstream, though, from their tribal lands. And um, I do think they have a legitimate beef here. However, we can get into like the philosophy of it because they're protesting what may happen not what is imminent to happen. It's the same thing when 
people protest uh, nuclear power plants. It's because of what may happen, not what is an eminent, um, absolute threat. But for the audience who doesn't know about this, let me play a very brief clip from, oddly enough, the media who is covering this. That's another little bit of hyperbole there, Conrad, that the media is not covering it. it they might not be covering it as much as you'd like, and they might not be covering it uh, to the degree that I even think they should. But it is being covered by the media. Now we return to the months-long standoff over the building of a controversial pipeline in North Dakota. It's intended to carry oil from the state's Bakken region across South Dakota and Iowa to an existing pipeline in Illinois, which is on hold after conflicting government rulings. Lisa Desjardins has the story. The protests began in April when members of the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe complained that a spill from the pipeline would contaminate the Missouri River and lakes near their lands. The Sioux also have said construction would harm sacred tribal grounds. In recent weeks, they have been joined by other Native American tribes and environmental groups. The company and some local officials have said the pipeline will create jobs and boost energy production in the U.S. Our William Brangham is reporting near the Standing Rock Reservation. I spoke to him a short time ago and asked him what the immediate reaction was like today. Yes, this has been a day that nobody here really wanted to see happen. Um, I don't know if you can see behind me, but this is the camp. This is the main area where people have been gathering for weeks. And this is the worst possible news initially. Um, interestingly, the, the, the word is slowly starting to trickle out. I mean, in fact, many of the people I talked to this afternoon, I was the one telling them the news about the hearing because the cell phone service here is really bad. And so people are not getting the news as quickly as some of us are. But the, the general sense was that people were really disappointed. I mean, there has been a sense of resignation. Many people feared that this would be the judge's ruling, that they thought that the Corps would be allowed to do this and that the energy company would be allowed to put the pipeline in. When, when the news also came that the Justice Department is considering stepping in and putting a stop to this, that only gave people a certain level of hope. I mean, the, the people that I talked to said they think this is going to be an ongoing protracted battle for, for weeks, months, maybe years to come. William, specifically, what is the tribe's complaint? The principal argument that the Standing Rock tribe has is that the construction of this pipeline is going to do one, it's going to destroy a lot of very, very important cultural sites to them. Burial grounds, historic meeting places for their people. And number two, that the pipeline, which although it is not going to go through tribal lands. It is just a short distance away. The pipeline will go underneath the river. And many people are concerned that if a pipeline that's carrying hundreds of thousands of gallons of oil goes underneath the river, that there could be some sort of a rupture. And if that happens, that might spill oil into their primary source of drinking water. And so that's been the main concern, that the construction of the pipeline is going to destroy lands that are very, very important to them, and that the potential for contamination is enormous. This would be a very significant pipeline carrying about half of current Bakken oil production. How's the industry responding? The company that's building the pipeline has argued all along that they followed all the rules. They filled out the right permits, they got all the right permissions, they did the proper surveys, and that they have broken no laws whatsoever. In fact, that's not really been the allegation thus far. The tribe's main concern has been with the Army Corps of Engineers, who granted one of the main permits for the pipeline to go in. And the Corps says, too, that they did all the proper consultations. But the oil company argues also that they think this is an important uh, economic engine for the area. They say there will be jobs in construction of the pipeline, jobs in maintaining the pipeline. 
and that they say, look, we still live in an oil-based society, and uh, if oil needs to get from the Bakken oil fields to market, this pipeline is the, is the delivery device for that. It seems there are really two parts to this fight, the court battle and on-the-ground protests. William, explain what happens now in each. Obviously, with regards to the courts, who knows how that's going to play out. The Justice Department may step in forcefully on this. We'll have to wait and see on that. As far as what happens here on the ground, we have heard from some people who've said, regardless of what happens with the courts, with the rulings, with the Army Corps, there's a certain group of people here who argue they will do everything that they can to not let this pipeline go forward. I mean, we've heard people talking about the possibility of physically putting themselves in the way of the construction equipment, in the way of the workers' camps, and how widespread that sentiment is, I don't really know. And we'll see in the next days and weeks if the construction really does take off, whether or not those actions come through. But there is a, there is a, a minority of people here, at least, that will do everything they possibly can to try to stop this from going forward. So there are many things at play here, and this is an important issue for sure. But I'd like to point out, first and foremost, that we don't live in a country where we have a singular ruler who can do wave a wand and his or her rule be put in place. Thankfully. We live in a, in a country with the rule of law. And I think the, the best venue for this is in the courts. Because you can't have the executive branch outside of Congress and the executive branch just running the show. That's not how we were set up. And I think that while civil, civil disobedience is, is valid, in this case, well, in any case, if you choose civil disobedience as a way to get your point across, you better be willing to face the consequences of that through arrest and everything else that comes with it. And if there is, like he said, a minority of individuals who are willing to put themselves in harm way, harm's way and to put themselves in the in the to obstruct the construction workers and their equipment they better be ready to face arrest just like when those bundy idiots did their thing in Oregon and previous in Nevada uh, that should have gone down swiftly with arrest and not backing down to their bullying which is a little weird cuz they're bullying the federal government but uh, your point is getting across, but we need to let, let, let this uh, pan out in the courts. I would caution, though, that there needs to be some sensitivity to the tribal treaties, the tribal lands, mm -hmm. the things that we have promised them in the past. Because the United States doesn't have a good record. It's no surprise to anybody. I'm not breaking fucking news here. But the United States doesn't have a good record when dealing with native peoples. Right. And we need to make sure, as a country, that we bend over goddamn backwards to make sure they're taken care of because of the past slights that have been systemically enacted by the federal government. Right. There needs to be some sort of active goodwill, right, yeah, absolutely. To, to counter that, that yeah. narrative. Yeah, but, you know, look at this, it, 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 because it is a nuanced issue. It's, it's, it's a complex issue. The threat of some kind of a catastrophe, are we to never, none of us should use oil? Every oil derrick in the ocean should shut down because the risk is too great? Should we stop using gasoline in our vehicles because it's a highly combustible, explosive material? 
I just I think we need to look at this with a little bit more level head and again let the courts determine what what takes place either way thank you for the call Conrad we got a lot of listeners in Kansas what is happening in Kansas also I love the name Conrad do you well, it reminds me of Conrad Hackett at Pew Research Center. Oh, right. And I love him. And I just think Conrad's an awesome name. He was also a super gracious guy when we met him at USC. Yes, he was a very nice guy. And a smart, smart dude. Very passionate about... Maybe more about, importantly, a smart guy. Yes, smart and passionate <laughs> about what he does. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Again, Conrad, awesome. Thank you. We appreciate the call. If you, too, would like to sound off with a voicemail or an email or a voice memo from your smartphone, you can do so at 657-464-7609 or idoubtit at dollamore.com. All right. Listen. Have you guys seen this video online? It went viral this last week. It's a little girl. Her dad is filming her, and they're in a restaurant. And she takes her little plate of food... And she brings it out and gives it to a homeless guy on a bench outside of this restaurant with giant windows just looking out onto the sidewalk. Mm -hmm. And at first glance, well, I guess I should say before we start that Brittany and I had a very interesting conversation about this. And I wanted to bring this uh, forward, further the conversation as we, I haven't said the phrase in, in a little while, but... We are all about moving the conversation forward here. And Brittany and I both independently had this same feeling, a little bit ugged out about this video, and we wanted to talk about it. If you haven't watched the video, here is the audio of it. There's some dead spots because it's her walking out, and you hear the, the background noise of the restaurant. But this will give you a flavor of what went down. He's encouraging her to take the plate outside. And then he begins to narrate about that's his girl and he's proud of her. My girl right here. I love her to bits. She is the best. Now she's handing the plate to the man and then coming back in. my girl. He's like, oh my god, are you kidding me? I just got steak and potatoes. Good job, Ella. Ella, you're amazing. I think you just made his day. I think he just made his week. How does that make you feel? <laughs> so she said that she she likes it. She likes the way that that doing that act made her feel, and which is admirable on its face for right, sure. Right, obviously this is a very good thing. This is a good behavior to engage in. It's positive. There is kind of a darker element to this, though. There is something that struck me while I was watching it, and I think some of these videos teeter on the edge of this sometimes, where 
It's almost like the homeless man was like an object in this video. Like a fucking prop. Yeah, like a prop. And there was no discussion after giving the meal of, you know, this is a human being who is suffering. And there was no like conversation with the man that we know of. It was just go hand him your food, come back in. We're going to film him and talk about, oh, he must be like, yeah, I have some steak now. There's steak and I potatoes. Mean, I right. don't know. It was a little, it, it just feels like, oh, we're posting this because we want the attention for doing the good deed, not because of the good deed. It's altruism porn. And I, I know that people may need to see things like this to be inspired or be motivated to do good deeds, which is somewhat unfortunate. But I, I think it's weird, and I sometimes see posts... Or, or hang on, or is it that they're going to do it because it's uh, it's going to... Oh, I might be able to get a viral post if I video myself doing charity. I don't know. Right, well, and I sometimes see posts of people on Facebook saying, you know... Oh, I gave away a sandwich to a homeless man today. Oh, I gave a homeless man $20 today. And I'm just kind of confused by the motivation behind posting that. Right. Shouldn't the good deed stand on its own? Be be good enough? Why do you need attention for having done something charitable? And listen, I don't I'm not trying to be a dick. <laughs> I know it sounds like <laughs> how dare you do these good things just cuz you want attention. You know what? If you're if you're doing good things, and in order to do them, you need to get attention for it because that will increase the rate with which you do the good things. All right. Perfect. The good things are getting done. I, I agree with that. You're not immune from some type of criticism or critique, though. But I just get concerned in these videos when the person receiving the help is just like a prop in the video. Right. It makes me very uncomfortable. It's similar to when people go on mission trips. Oh my God. And I fucking post, hate this. And post pictures with all the African children around them. It's it's look at me. I'm a pretty white girl and I'm just surrounded by these black children because I'm such a good person and I'm helping them. Well I've even I've They're even props. I've even seen pictures of like children receiving medical treatment from people right. and they're taking photos and it's very invasive. And I just... Do you have their permission, their consent? I know. I, I, that, that issue comes up for me where aren't they allowed to have privacy? Right. Aren't they allowed to... They're receiving medical treatment and I realize they're poor and they don't have resources. And you're there on a mission giving them this service. But, but does that entitle you to then take a picture of them it, yeah. and post it on social media for your own benefit? Does, I, their, does their poverty... And their situation economically, does that strip away their rights to consent and their rights to not be used as a prop? Again, a prop. So anyway, I, I, I genuinely do not want to be like nitpicking this good deed, this cute video apart. But there is something about it that I kind of pause for a second and just I think this is something to consider, something to think about um, when we watch these videos. And we don't want to lose sight of the fact that these are people and they're not just props and it's not just, oh, look at me. I handed my food to someone who needed it. You know, I appreciate the videos where they sit down and they talk to the people yeah. and they ask them about their story and still a little proppy it is still a little proppy but it's more than just look at what i did well listen i'm also uh, tangentially concerned about the, the message that this father is sending this girl that ah, we're gonna video this because that's what you do when you do good deeds 
you video it, and then you put it online for everybody to see because it's not look at the guy. It's look at me, look at me, look at me. It's making the act of charity about the giver and not the receiver. And that ultimately is a problem. So anyway. So anyway. We'd love to hear your thoughts on it. For sure. Absolutely. 657-464-7609 or, of course, a voice memo from your smartphone. I doubt it at dollamore.com. And I would wager that our audience is going to have a lot to say about this. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode as much or as little as you'd like, comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget and helping move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com slash I Doubt It with Dollamore. Or dollamore.com slash paypal or if you're really in the buying mood maybe you want to buy a refrigerator and not have to deal with home depot you can go to dollamore.com slash amazon and every little bit goes a long way we get a little bit of a commission from that purchase and it really does help out a great deal we love you guys we appreciate you we have the best audience in podcast land is that is that a land i think i think it is yeah (laughs) You're good. (laughs) All right. Dollamocracy 2016. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. Well, for this installment of Dollamocracy, we're going to start it off with a voicemail, which is not normally what we do, but I didn't want to talk about this and blow our, our proverbial podcast wad <laughs> uh, early on in the show, dealing with Hillary Clinton and her recent episode slash diagnosis of pneumonia. Hi, Jesse and Brittany. This is Dan from Oceanside. Uh, I'm trying to kind of dive in online uh, and, and figure out what's going on with... Uh, Hillary's like fainting spell or, or overheated. I saw the campaign released. Whatever's going on with that. Um, I mean, you want to talk about a crazy election season getting crazier if one of the uh, candidates has to bail out, you know, 60 days out or 55 days out, whatever it is. Um, what do you guys think will be the end result of this? I mean, do they do they go to the person with the second most delegates, Bernie, or is it, you know, an establishment Republican? Uh, you know, it's like like Joe Biden. Uh, either one I prefer to Hillary, so I'm happy regardless. Um, not that I'm happy to see someone have potential health issues, but I used to think that this was, you know, a lot of far right Alex Jonesian kind of uh, you know fear mongering bullshit that she was having health issues. But where there's smoke, there's fire, man. There's seems to be enough things going on to maybe substantiate that there's some stuff they're not talking about and a reason they're not releasing health records. Anyways, guys, uh, love the show. Love to hear what you think about that or do you think any potential outcome or does it change your vote or, you know, anything like that. Uh, Brittany's best part. Talk to you later. Love the show. 
Brittany's the best part. A little surprise. <laughs> a little surprise from Dan from Oceanside. Yeah. Brittany is the best part. So I want to say something. All right. I think there's a difference. Wait, do, I, do I have like horn music or something? <laughs> it's very unnecessary. Trust me. Um, <laughs> I think there's a difference between. Well, I don't. I don't know what two things I'm going to compare right now. So I'll just scratch that. Okay. I, I'm not sure that substantiating the claims is the right phrase to use here because I agree, I agree with that because um, some of the claims are like body doubles and fucking clones and shit or robot or yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a man following her around, literally giving her injections to keep her conscious. Right. Like some new fangled awesome medicine that no one else has access to. Yes. And these are a lot of these claims are coming from uh, the National Enquirer, you know, very legitimate news Trump's source. Very good friend. Yeah. Runs the National Enquirer. And so a lot of the the quote unquote claims are outlandish conspiracy theories. Okay. So I wouldn't say substantiating the claims. However, there has been a lot of discussion about her health for quite some time, particularly with the ongoing coughing spells. Persistent cough. So this video came out of Hillary Clinton having to get up and leave the 9-11 memorial ceremony that she was attending. We've just received some video of former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton stumbling as she left the 9-11 commemoration in New York City this morning. A statement from Clinton's campaign says she felt overheated and she went to her daughter's apartment uh, to get her bearings. Let's watch this video for a second. And then the video, I'm sure you've seen it. You can go to the Facebook page if you haven't. It is her, her standing there. Almost falling, but captured, caught by uh, people, presumably Secret Service agents around her. A, a little while ago, we saw Hillary Clinton leave her daughter's apartment building and wave to reporters and onlookers, looking much better than she does in the video we're showing you right now. Uh, she didn't have much to say uh, just now, but you can listen to how she responded to reporters' shouted questions. CNN national politics reporter MJ Lee is outside Chelsea Clinton's apartment where Secretary Clinton went to recuperate. Uh, MJ, Clinton didn't really have much to say when she left. Reporters asked her to come over and tell them what happened, and she said it's a beautiful day in New York. That's right, Jake. This has turned into an unexpectedly tense morning for Hillary Clinton. We are outside of Chelsea Clinton's house in the Flatiron District, where Hillary Clinton did leave a little bit before noon. Uh, you heard her say that she was feeling great, uh, but we don't really know the extent of whatever this medical issue she had this morning. The only thing that the campaign has told us is that she was feeling overheated, and that is why she came to her daughter's home here, uh, cutting the commemoration a little bit early now. Now, uh, just keep in mind that the campaign, of course, very much wanted today to be free of politics. But uh, for sure, we know that the issues about her health and what happened this morning are certain to fuel uh, questions about uh, Hillary Clinton's health. And here's the thing. After this report by JTAP over at CNN, it was released from the campaign of Hillary Clinton that she had been diagnosed with pneumonia the day before. There's two things I want to talk about here. One is, I have had pneumonia many times. In the summer, I've had pneumonia. Just in the last few years, I've had pneumonia. I got bronchitis like two or three different times when I was in boot camp in the Marine Corps. And uh, 
I just I'm susceptible to I I'm a weak, sickly little 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 uh little baby, insignificant little baby. <laughs> so I get it, and you know you you don't get enough oxygen if you're feverish. If you that would explain a lot of the cough. Yeah, I get that. So I'm not discounting the fact that it might very well be that it, in fact, might be likely that she has pneumonia. I'm not not I'm not disagreeing with that. What I'm saying, and this is the second point, is her lack of transparency is fueling this entire fucking freak show. Her lack of being upfront about her medical condition. When she was diagnosed, when she found out she had pneumonia, why didn't she come out? Why didn't they release a statement and say, she's got pneumonia? That would explain the cough. That would explain everything. Pneumonia. And we're going to take a few days off to get her better. Right. But it wasn't until after this happened in front of the cameras where she was being carried into the van. And you can tell that she seems to be, you know, not stable on her feet. Unable to stand under her own power. And needed to be helped into the van. If if a loved one of mine had experienced what I saw happen to Hillary Clinton, I would be very concerned. Very concerned. About my loved one. Right. And what was going on. So after that happened, they released a statement and they and the doctor said, Secretary Clinton has been experiencing a cough related to allergies. On Friday, during a follow-up evaluation of her prolonged cough, she was diagnosed with pneumonia. She was put on antibiotics and advised to rest and modify her schedule. While at this morning's event, she became overheated and dehydrated. I have examined her, and she is now rehydrated and recovering. Okay, that's what her, that's what the physician said. However, right. like you said, there's been so much conspiracy surrounding her health. So wouldn't it have been wise to just come out with it as soon as the diagnosis was in. Not just wise, it is what she owes the American people. And I'm wondering why she didn't. I'm wondering if her concerns were, listen, there's already a lot of speculation. There's already a lot of conspiracy out there. I don't want to fan the flames by coming out and saying, oh, here, I, listen, I have pneumonia. I have pneumonia. It very well could be that. But sure. it seems to have backfired, right? Not coming out and just saying it. Clearly. Because now we have this video. And then everyone starts playing the video. And they're like, what the hell happened? This is very concerning. What's going on? It raises more questions. Look, the video... And if you haven't yet, I don't know where you've been if you haven't, but go to the Facebook page. I posted the video on the Facebook page. Go watch the video and try to not be absolutely alarmed by what you see. She cannot stand under her own power. She's There's a woman who is clutching her arm as tight as she can, it appears. And then when she finally gets takes a couple steps to go toward the van to get into the vehicle, a... a a man, a big Secret Service agent man, has to grab her also because she's collapsing. She can't even walk under her own power. There are reports that she lost a shoe that shifted under the van when they put her in the car and drove away. It's a big deal. And if it is just pneumonia, and it's not just pneumonia, it's a big deal, especially when you're an old lady. When you're almost 70. Hillary Clinton's an old lady. I'm not taking any of this away. But because of her advanced age, and by the way, audience, all of this applies to Donald Trump too. 
I think if anybody's listened to this show for any time at all, they know I'm not a fan of Donald Trump. And I'm not sticking up for Donald Trump. All of what I'm getting ready to say applies to the orange-faced mook as well. She's going to be 69 years old on October 26th. Right. She will, either one of them will be the oldest person elected to the presidency. Ronald Reagan, at this point, is the oldest. We need to know what their health situation is. Not just because they're the oldest, but because there are questions. And they're going to be the president of the United States. We don't want another situation where they die in office. And that's the other thing. This does bring into account just how important it is who the vice presidential nominee is. Who do you want? You want Mike Pence, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act idiot from Indiana? (laughs) Or do you want a level-headed, relatively conservative, normal kind of guy like Tim Kaine? Mm -hmm. Seriously. We'd love to know what you think about all of this because this is what has got me all a a Twitter, all uh, uh, flustered with Facebook uh, conversations. Well, because what's happening with you is you're encountering Hillary Clinton supporters that are acting as though they're Donald Trump supporters, right? Where when you start criticizing Donald Trump to Donald Trump supporters, they say, yeah, well, what about Hillary Clinton? Right. And and what you're experiencing is you give a legitimate criticism of Hillary Clinton. There's not a lot of transparency here. We need to know what's going on. There's things that need to be released. Yeah, well, what about Donald Trump? Right. Okay, well, why can't we ever just have a conversation about the candidate at hand? A conversation... <laughs> it is so frustrating. There's legitimate criticism for both Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Why legitimate can't we just... and justified criticism. Why can't we just focus on the one candidate when we are criticizing the one it candidate? It makes me want to wrap my fingers around someone's neck and just squeeze until the little head just pops off their shoulders. Okay, well, good thing... It is very frustrating that it's an internet conversation and I'm not able to do that, <laughs> Brittany Page. Yeah, well, good thing... Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> I wasn't listening to you, and well, then I'm, I was like, oh, wait, he just said I, that. Okay. I'm, I'm being facetious, but it is, it's very frustrating because, one, you know, a lot of, of the nuance of conversation is lost when you're typing Facebook comments. And then also that they don't know, that, that likely they don't listen to the show. They don't know that I'm an anti-Trump guy. But I'm level-headed. I'm 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 reasonable. They need to release their their medical records just like they need to release their financial records so we know that there's not a conflict of interest. We also need to know, for the betterment of our goddamn country, how healthy or not healthy they are. We are owed that as an electorate. It is owed to us. It's not her, uh, I have privacy rights. All right, well, then you don't get to be president if you're, if you're clutching your medical records so tightly. No one who wants to uh, attain that office should be clinging to, ah, sorry, that's my private life. Nope. Not when you want to be president, it's not. All right. Well, this isn't the only Hillary Clinton thing that happened this week. She also talked about in a speech And this isn't off the cuff. She referred to Donald Trump supporters as uh, a basket of deplorables. Be grossly generalistic. You could put 
half of Trump supporters into what I call the basket of deplorables. Right? The racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, you name it. But that other basket of people are people who feel the government has let them down, the economy has let them down, nobody cares about them. So again, those are prepared remarks. She's reading from the teleprompter. This isn't an off-the-cuff moment where you just catch her. The campaign planned for her to say this, and it was ill, ill, ill-planned. Very shocking that this would be something planned. It's a mistake, for sure. How did they discuss this? And no know. one said, wait a minute, aren't you trying to win over votes? Right, that's right. This is just going to piss people off and make them hate you even more than they already do. Having said that, I agree with everything she said. <laughs> I totally agree she is right, but it's not smart. One, you're giving fuel to Donald Trump to who gave a speech today before a group of veterans, and uh, he, he invoked this. He talked about this. So you're giving fuel to his fire, and you're also, well, one, you're that, four, that half of, uh, that she's talking about, that basket of deplorables, they're not going to vote for Hillary Clinton either way. But you might sway someone who's on the fence. Mm -hmm. You might, it might just twist the knife just a little bit. Right. And they'll, they will think that you're talking about them and they're not in the group that you're actually talking about. Because she goes on and she explains that, well, then the other half is a, a group of people who just distrust the government, believes that blah, blah, blah. And she, she paints a picture. But it was just, it was ill conceived. It wasn't well thought out. This is, this is a mistake that, Look, this race is too tight as it is. These are the two most unpopular candidates for president in modern times. Donald Trump is the only candidate who would run this tight to Hillary Clinton. I believe Hillary Clinton would be beaten by anybody else. Even Ted fucking Cruz, I think, would handily beat Hillary Clinton. It's only because we have these two woefully flawed candidates that we find ourselves in this situation. But listen, it's not just Hillary Clinton who thinks that Donald Trump supporters are a bunch of assholes. Here's Kellyanne Conway, his new campaign manager in January, being asked on the John Gambling Show about the current state of affairs. This is in January when she was working for Ted Cruz and... She didn't have an altogether surprising answer. And what well, final, final question for you. I mean, we could talk for hours. We could talk the whole show here on this probably today. Donald Trump, uh, I, I, I really sense a, a weakening of uh, Trump's support. Well, it was a big blow for somebody who said, I'm going to run an unconventional campaign, whose supporters, by the way, have been downright, downright nasty to almost everyone else. Um, although I find Mr. Trump to be, um, he seemed humble last night, he's gracious, I know him a little bit, and, and he's always been warm and lovely and um, great conversationalist and a great with a great political and business mind. I think some of his supporters are way over their skis and have been downright nasty. Way over their skis. I don't know exactly what that means, but it's not positive. So his current campaign manager in January talked quite negatively about his supporters 
And I can't believe that her opinion has really changed since then. Right. Well, it's been nine months. <laughs> right, right. And they've, they've mellowed out a lot since then. Yeah, I mean, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of room for change there. They believe that, that Hillary Clinton has a clone or that she's a robot or that at the very least she has a body double. They yeah. seem real rational. Yeah, well. <laughs> well. Obama once again was asked about Trump this week. And once again, you know, he said what he says about Trump every time. But there was a little bit of an indictment of the media. We've been talking about that. It's something I've said. It's something that Soledad O'Brien has said. And here this week, Obama comes out with the same opinion. As far as Mr. Trump, I've, I think I've already offered my opinion. I don't think the guy's qualified to be president of the United States. And every time he speaks, that uh, opinion is confirmed. And I think the most important thing for the public and the press is to just listen to what he says and follow up and ask questions about what appear to be either contradictory or uninformed or outright ideas. Um, there is this process that seems to take place over the course of the election season where somehow behavior that in normal times we would consider completely unacceptable and outrageous becomes normalized. And people start thinking behavior that in normal times we would consider completely unacceptable and outrageous becomes normalized. And people start thinking that uh, we should be grading on a curve. And we most certainly should not be grading on a curve. It's kind of like, I call it the South Park effect. That when South Park, the, the, the cartoon on Comedy Central first came out, people were, oh my God, this is outrageous. But then they can do all kinds of shit. They can draw Mohammed, no one bats an eye. They can have ridiculous content, which I think is hilarious and a beautiful satire. But no one questions it anymore because it's, ah, that's South Park. Yeah, that's what they do. Well, the same thing's kind of happening with Donald Trump where he could say outrageous things, and if any other candidate said it, it would sink their candidacy. But because it's Donald Trump, people just say, oh, wow, that's just Donald Trump. Right. That's what he does. Right. But the media is complicit here, and they need to get their shit together and ask the same follow-up questions that I've been screaming about for a year. Oh, many people are saying, who? Name me two. Give me two people who have said this. Not some asswipe on Twitter, I want someone of, of, of uh, reputation, someone who is well-known and well-respected. What have they said? Who is it? These questions are never asked. He's allowed to, to go and speak unfettered without challenge. And it's a bummer. There are, though, and we've been trying to feature these commercials as they come out, there are some great anti-Donald Trump commercials that have been out right now that are being released right now. This one is very short and about as poignant as it can be related to Donald Trump and really the very real threat that we would face if he was the commander in chief 
of the armed forces of this great nation. I'm really good at war. I love war in a certain way. Including with nukes, yes, including with nukes. I know more about ISIS than the generals do, believe me. Nuclear is just the, the power, the devastation is very important to me. I want to be unpredictable, unpredictable, unpredictable. Priorities USA Action is responsible for the content of this advertising. The power, the devastation is important to me. Yeah. I well, mean, who, I, who does that sound like? I love war in a certain sense. Who does that sound like? That sounds like Kim Jong-un. Yeah. I mean, honestly. Yes. That is something that... Like an unhinged dictator. If you, if we put that, that sound up and modulated the voice and then asked people to guess who had said those phrases, people might say, oh, is that Kim Jong-un? Oh, is that uh, Assad? In Syria? Right. Was that Saddam Hussein or Qaddafi? Who, who said that? Right. Some sort of evil dictator. Right. They would they would think that they're saying these things. I love war in a certain sense. It's, it's alarming that this is the choice. This is one of the two. Well, not necessarily one of the two, because there are third-party candidates. And this brings me to the part of the show that I, I, I lament. Gary Johnson is a guy that I have been fond of for a long time. I have been considering voting for him up to this point in this campaign. And that's just not going to happen anymore. Gary Johnson is not ready to be president of the United States, as evidenced by his appearance on Morning Joe on MSNBC last week, where he was asked a very basic very important question by the moderator, and failed. What would you do if you were elected about Aleppo? About? Aleppo. And what is Aleppo? You're kidding. No. Aleppo is in Syria. It's the, uh, it's the epicenter of the refugee crisis. Okay, got it. Got it. Okay. Well, so that is how it started. And things only went downhill from this point because he begins his answer and it appears maybe he's in his head. Maybe he's just like, oh, I just fucked this up and now I can't get back on track. Right, right. It could be that. Yeah. But then he starts this Sarah Palin, Donald Trump-esque word salad bullshit answer that means nothing. And he is, it's very obvious he is in over his head. With regard to Syria, um, I do think that it's a mess. I think that the only way we, we, that we deal with Syria uh, is to join hands uh, with Russia to diplomatically bring that at an end. But when we've aligned ourselves with, when we've supported the opposition, uh, the Free Syrian Army, the Free Syrian Army is also uh, coupled with, uh, with the Islamists, uh, and then the fact that we're also supporting the Kurds, uh, and... He's not answering the question. Is, it's, just, it's just a mess. And that this is the result of uh, regime change uh, that we end up supporting. And um, inevitably, these regime changes have led to a less safe world. So yeah. an alliance with Russia is the solution to Syria. Do you think Vladimir Putin and Russia are a good and, and reliable partner? 
Well, um, I, th I think diplomatically that that, is the, that that has to be the solution, is joining hands uh, with uh, Russia to bring, to bring this civil war to, to an end. Joe. Um, so Aleppo is the center of a lot of people's concerns across the planet. Then the conversation continued, and uh, that's a mess. That is a mess. And listen, I can't in good conscience criticize Donald Trump for what took place on the Hugh Hewitt show and not have the same exact criticism for Gary Johnson. If you remember, just a few months ago, Donald Trump was on with Hugh Hewitt and was asked about the Quds Force in Iran, and this happened. Are you familiar with General Soleimani? Yes. <laughs> I, I, go ahead. Give me a little. Go ahead. Tell me. It, well, he runs the Quds Forces. Yes. Okay. Right. Do, do you expect and his I think behavior... the Kurds, by the way, have been horribly mistreated by us. No, no the not Kurds. the Kurds, the, the Quds forces, the Iranian Revolutionary Guards Quds yes. forces, the bad yeah. guys. Right. Do you expect his behavior to change oh, as a result? Kurds, Kurds. No, Kurds. Oh, I, I'm Kurds. sorry, I thought you said yeah. Kurds. No, he said General Soleimani. Right, so he he um, proved that he didn't know who he was by acting like he couldn't hear the correct thing right, because right. he said the wrong thing. Right. Yeah. So what's the difference between this? Are you familiar with General Soleimani? Yes. <laughs> What's the difference between that and this? And what is Aleppo? A lie. That's the difference. Yes, for because sure. Because Donald Trump was like, yes. That's actually a great point. <laughs> I hadn't really considered that. But, you know, what, what's not a difference is it's a massive gaffe. It's someone who's not prepared. You're not ready. You haven't done the due diligence and research necessary, especially related to foreign affairs. Mm-hmm. And it, when you go in as a libertarian, you know that's your weakness. When you go in as the governor, the former governor of, uh, uh, of New Mexico, you know that's going to be your weakness. Why not do the goddamn research, Mr. Pothead? Maybe that's the problem. You're just smoking too much weed and not paying attention to the details. Because I want a president who is multifaceted in talent, who is able to run the economy and be a domestic powerhouse but also be able to negotiate and navigate the dangerous world that we live in relative to foreign relations. And Gary Johnson isn't that guy. And that makes, that makes me sad. Because, it makes you real sad. Well, it's a bummer. I was seriously considering voting for him here in California. And now what's left? Ugh. Anyway... In the spirit of, of full disclosure and fairness, I guess, not full disclosure, but fairness, I want to allow Gary Johnson to give his feelings about what exactly went on. Um, this was down in the lobby of 30 Rock in New York City, where the studios of MSNBC are, and he was asked, almost in an ambush fashion downstairs, hey, how do you feel about what just happened upstairs? That'll, that, was a, that was a gaffe. That was a problem. That's going to be a big deal. What are your feelings about it? People are making a big deal about this Aleppo thing. I'm just curious what your view is from just like, is it a gotcha thing? Should you have known it? In retrospect, do you know it? Well, when when you recognize what's going on in Syria, when you recognize that the, that Aleppo is in the kind of the epicenter, be, Aleppo, um, not 
What? Knowing that there's a city in between the 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 two forces, really at the epicenter of the, but not remembering or or identifying that that's Aleppo, uh, guilty. But 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 in retrospect, is it is it a town you? It's a name you know, a town you know. I mean, this is gonna this well, gonna yes, be a, this yes, is no, gonna no, be no. a big deal. Like this, like the first big flap of a campaign that's been doing pretty well, right? It's going to be a big flap. I promise you. I like oh, it. No, already no, is. No, so I, I, I'm just wondering, I, I sort of, how you. No, no. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm but incredibly you, frustrated with myself. Right. For, right. So how do you? But how do you feel about it? Like, should it be a big flap? Like. Well, sure, it should. Um, absolutely. Um, you know, in in. I, I use this as an example. In uh, in New Mexico, uh, there is an area called Colonius, which is which is really. Um, destitute, if you will. I mean, it's between the borders. Well, I'm asked running for governor, what do you think about the Colonius? And I say, what do you mean about what do you mean Colonius? You don't know what Colonius is? Well, no, what's Colonius? Well, and then they described what I very well recognized was this area and I didn't realize it was called Colonius. Is this going to disqualify me from being governor of New Mexico? I hope not. Uh, I, I hope that not recognizing Aleppo, but I, I understand the significance. I, I, gen, I believe me. I, no one is taking this more seriously than me. I feel. I feel horrible. What do you think will happen now? Well, uh, that um, I have to get smarter, um, and uh, and that's just part of the process. So he gave some good answers. He's being honest, but you know, unfortunately, honesty doesn't get it done. Honesty doesn't give you experience in this arena. And uh, the pneumonia-afflicted Hillary Clinton is clearly the best choice among all four candidates, both independent and uh, mainstream. Because uh, Donald Trump is fucking clueless. Clearly a danger to the world. We were going to do a story about uh, North Korea doing their fifth nuclear test recently. Uh, A very scary occurrence. It is putting the world, the entire planet, not just the United States, in peril. And uh, do you want a Donald Trump at the helm, at the switch with the nuclear codes, with a man like Kim Jong-un on the loose? Well, hasn't Donald Trump said that he doesn't have a problem with North Korea developing nuclear weapons? Right, he wants to give the Saudis (laughs) nuclear weapons. Yeah. he's, He's an unmitigating disaster. And Hillary Clinton, while not my first or my second, she's not a she's not a valid choice for me. It, it looks as though, barring some unforeseen circumstance, that I'm going to end up voting for her, even though she's going to get California's all of California's electoral votes anyway. So, I am uh, I'm in a bad way, folks. Not a good not a good day. Not a good time. Goddamn. All right, we're going to end it there. I'm going to go cry into a pillow somewhere. It'll be a good time. If you'd like to support the show, other than listening twice a week, listening to me whine and complain twice a week, we would love to have your support on Patreon or PayPal or Amazon. Yes, especially because coming up, there are several presidential debates. That's right. And guess what we do? We bring you bonus episodes on all of the debates, and that content is brought to you by 
those Patreon and PayPal supporters. They make it possible. And even indirectly, the Amazon support, too. Yes. Yeah. So if you would like to make those bonus episodes possible, join the ranks. We appreciate it very much. So anyway, we love you guys. We'll see you next time right here. Same bat time, same bat goddamn channel. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It. I don't know. That giant thing that they had in Breaking Bad looked like it required a lot of electricity. Oh, you, okay? you mean under the laundry <laughs> mat? Yeah. <laughs>